Well, today in Ruth chapter 3, it gets really, really interesting uh, in this conversation between Naomi and Ruth. So let me invite you to find your place in God's Word, all dressed up and somewhere to go. As I think about Ruth chapter 3, I think about Ange and I, when we started dating, our dating lives were just pretty simple. Uh, we, we would go out and eat. We would generally go to a Tasty Free somewhere and get a milkshake and a cheeseburger and some fried mushrooms. And that was about it. So we lived a big life back in those days. And uh, I've just imagined in our day, though, how the dating scene has changed with all the different apps and platforms. How do you meet people and all those kind of things? I read an article recently and talked about the three most common mistakes when it comes to dating. And I hope you never committed any of these. Or if you're dating, I hope you never commit these. But the number one is, is you talk too much about your former boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, I thought, do you really talk at all about your former boyfriend or girlfriend? That's pretty risky to even be able to do that. That's the number one. Number two is you call your date by the wrong name. Uh, that's never good either, so I hope you don't ever, ever do that. And then number three is you go to a restaurant to eat, they bring you the bill, and then you realize you don't have enough money to pay the bill. Uh, that's always a problem as well. But today we're going to see this interaction between Naomi and Ruth and Ruth and Boaz go to another level altogether. And I want to say in the beginning, because sometimes people look at this text in Ruth chapter 3 and get some misconceptions about it. There is nowhere in the text, even in the Hebrew text, that there's any hint of immorality or impurity at all. You've got two individuals who love the Lord at this stage in life, who love one another, as we're going to see, and who did the right thing in the eyes of God, but also one another. So let's make sure we understand that as we look at Ruth chapter 3. There are many passages in the Bible I could talk about. They're easy to quote, but not so easy to live out. Uh, let me give you one of those. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy to do, is it? It's easy to quote, not so easy to do. First Thessalonians, it says this, that rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Easy to quote, not so easy for us to live out. And then you look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says that we should never argue or complain yeah, but we should give praise to that. You mean go through life and never argue, never complain about anything that's easy to quote, not so easy to live out. And then we come to Ruth chapter 3. Theologians, pastors, preachers are going to say Ruth chapter 3 is a difficult text. Because what do you do with this story about her lying at his feet, uncovering his feet? It's a difficult passage. But we want to deal with God's word as we walk through this. And here's what we think about. Did Naomi give Ruth really good advice? Was Ruth being a little too forward as a lady to Boaz? And all of this uncovering his feet and lying at his feet, it just seems a little weird for us in our culture, but what does all this mean? And there's great insight into Ruth chapter 3 for your life and for my life, even though it seems a little strange for us when it comes to dating and relationship building. Remember the story of Ruth chapter 1. Ruth finds herself in a very tough place. Uh, her husband's died, her mother-in-law is still living, and so the decision is, am I going to stay in Moab or am I going to go back to Bethlehem with my mother-in-law? Ruth makes a decision that wherever Naomi goes, Ruth is going to go. 
And so they have this wonderful, intimate, close relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And so Naomi here, she's lost a husband. She's lost her kids. Life has really changed for her. She hears that there's food again back in Bethlehem. She goes back to Bethlehem as a bitter lady. She felt like God had been against her. Why didn't God come through for us? Why did all this tragedy happen in my life? What is God going to do in my life in the days ahead? She even changed her name and is one of bitterness. But by the time we get to Ruth chapter 3, for this lady, but also for Ruth, their lives have radically changed. Now they don't seem like God's against them, but God is for them. God is blessing them in life. And so when Naomi gets to this point in her life, she's wanting to make sure Ruth is taken care of, but also she wants to make sure she's aware of the goodness and the faithfulness of God in her life at this stage. You may be in this room watching. You feel the same thing. A stage in your life, you look at me and say, what, what is God doing in my life? I mean, why all the storms? Why all the tragedies? Why all the adversities? If God loves me, cares for me, and is faithful to me, why am I going through all these things in my life? And I pray if that's your story, you're going to discover the faithfulness of God, the love of God, and the kindness of God in your life. And that could be today as well. I pray you will walk out of the service or log off from whatever screen you're watching, and you'll walk away saying, I'm overwhelmed by how much God is good to me, how kind he is to me, and how much he loves me in my life. Because what seems to be a storm, a tragedy, an adversity, a Romans 8.28 moment can happen and God can take that and turn it into good for your life and for your walk with him and even for your future. So Ruth chapter 3, let's walk through this together. Encourage you to fill in some blanks as we go along. Number one, relationships map the way. As you and I think about Ruth chapter 3, relationships map the way. Understand this, relationships matter. Uh, they matter to God, but they also matter to you and me. And so when I think about in this room and I think about kids and students and even young adults, let, let me say some words to you and I pray you will pay attention here over the next number of minutes because what I'm getting ready to say is significant because relationships matter, relationships influence. God cares about the relationships we have in life. So if you're going to date somebody, God cares who you date in your life. If you're going to get married, God cares whom you marry in your life. And if you're going to connect your life with friends, which we all do, God cares about who your friends are in your life. I mean, God cares about all those things, and here's why. Because relationships influence us. How many of us have done something good because we were influenced as a result of a relationship we were in? How many of us have done something bad? because we were influenced as a result of a relationship we were in. And so here we are with Naomi and Ruth, a very intimate personal relationship, and Naomi is concerned about her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and her future. And that's going to change the way relationships map the way. So this relationship mattered. Your relationships matter. I pray you will give serious, serious attention to the people you connect your life with because relationships matter, relationships influence. Look at these things. Number one, personal security. We, we see in this text, and please understand it, it says now, uh, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, talking about Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Notice the word rest. You want to make a note about this because the word rest literally means man or husband. 
Should I not seek a man for you or a husband for you? Ruth, you need a man or you need a husband that it may go well with you. And then she turns her attention to Boaz. Is not Boaz our relative with whose, whose women you, young women you were? So she's bringing attention to Ruth's need, but she's also bringing attention to Boaz as well. Personal security. What does that mean? Is that here's the context of that. Ruth, you need a man in your life. You need a husband in your life who is going to protect you, who's going to give you security physically, but also understand this spiritually. As you think about this and you think about Naomi's concern for Ruth, who are you concerned about in your life? I mean, we live in a culture, again, that's very self-centered. I mean, I'm not really thinking about the needs of other people. I'm just so consumed with my own life, my own needs. I'm not thinking about anyone else with any needs in life. I encourage us as God's people who have experienced the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't be so consumed with your own life that you miss the people around you. Pay attention to people around you. What does he need? What does she need? What do they need in life? Do they need guidance? Do they need a listening ear? Do they need correction? What do people around you need? Make sure you're speaking into their lives. And so here Naomi is in relationship to Ruth saying, Ruth, you need a man. You need a husband. You need security physically, but also spiritually. How many people leave, leave the house in the mornings, go throughout their day with this awareness of spiritual security? And here's what I mean by that. Spiritual security says this, I know that Christ is my Savior. I know that I've been forgiven in Him. I know that I'll never be lost or separated from Him. I know that if Jesus Christ came today, I'm going to be with Him for all eternity. And when my life physically comes to an end, I'm going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. I realize I live with spiritual security. It's not a license to sin. It's not a thing I can live any way I want to. I want to live God's way, but I live with security in the Christian life. And so here we find Naomi to Ruth saying to Ruth, Ruth, you need somebody who's going to give you security in life. Number two, correct approach. This is an interesting approach because here's what Naomi says to Ruth. And she says to her, now, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So Ruth, you're going to go down. You're going to see Boaz. He's not sitting in a corner office. He, he's not sitting in some conference room. He's out there working. He is winnowing at barley. He's throwing it up in the air, the chaff being blown away. And here's what barley is going to be left. He is a working man. And then she says these words to him. Wash, therefore. And it doesn't mean, Ruth, you stink. You need to clean up a little bit. Just want you to get ready because you have to realize Boaz had only seen Ruth out in the fields working. He had never seen her dressed up before. So Naomi is saying to Ruth, Ruth, you need to wash yourself. And then here's gone and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man unless or until he had finished eating and drinking. Wow, stuff going on here. And so, so, Ruth, I want you to go down to Boaz. Go down to the threshing floor. I want you to wash, to clean up. I want you to anoint yourself, put some perfume on. And I want you to change clothes. I want you to go down to where Boaz is at. But I don't want you to say anything to him. Don't get in his way. You just, you just stay right there. Strange advice in many ways. Because Ruth is not to say to him, Boaz, what is the condition of our relationship? Why didn't you call me? Do you really love me or not? Do I, we have any future at all? Ruth, you don't do any of that stuff. You just go down and you figure out where he's at and you stay there. You don't say a word. It's an interesting approach. And then Naomi goes on to say, 
And so uh, when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. That's all you have to do, Ruth. That's it. Now, as you and I think about Ruth going to Boaz, we talked about last week a little bit, the connection between Boaz and the Lord Jesus. Boaz is a redeemer. Who is the ultimate redeemer? It is Jesus. So how do we approach Jesus in the Christian life as well? Here's what I encourage us today. Make sure when you think about approaching Jesus in your life, you have been washed. What can wash away all of my sins? What is it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need to stand before him clean. Why? Because we have surrendered our lives. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has washed us clean. Nothing but the blood of Christ can wash me because white as snow. It's it's Jesus and his blood for us. Also, this perfume, anoint yourself. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit as we relate to Jesus in life. You you and I should never try to live the Christian life on our own strength. We should never try to do the best we can. He has given us, when we trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us. You don't have to live the, the Christian life on your own. You've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is going to be there to convict you. The Holy Spirit is going to be there to guide you. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you. The Holy Spirit is there to seal you. The Holy Spirit is there to gift you. You and I can live the Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit in life. Now, for me, when I think about this idea of anointing, we don't talk a lot about that in Baptist circles, but every Sunday morning, many times throughout the week as well, I'm coming before our Heavenly Father and saying, Lord, as you have called me to preach and teach your word and the gospel, I pray that you will always give me recall, remembrance, and new insight. And Lord, I'll also pray this, that you will not only do those things, but you will give me liberty, freedom, and anointing from your Holy Spirit to preach and teach the word the, the way, God, that will bring honor and glory to you and so that people can understand what your word says. Make, make sure you're washed in the blood of Christ. Also make sure you're relying on the Holy Spirit. And then about changing clothes here, here's the good news. Because of Jesus... His sinless life, his sacrificial death, his victory over death in the grave, the tomb is empty, Jesus Christ is alive. We can take off the filthy rags and we can put on his robe of righteousness. And because of that, we can come before our Savior, our Lord, our best friend, white as snow because of the blood of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, wearing a robe of righteousness. That's how Ruth was to approach Boaz. That's how you and I come before our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Changes everything. It's the correct approach. Number three, it's a brave strategy. It's a brave strategy because when you look at what he's, he's... Ruth's being asked to do. I mean, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to find myself at the feet of Boaz and I'm going to uncover his feet. I'm going to lie down there. I'm not going to say anything until he gives me direction on what I'm to do next. It is a brave strategy that Naomi gave Ruth. Here's what I want to ask you. Here's the good news of this text. Naomi was not simply thinking about herself. She was thinking about her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who lost her husband, who's a widow, who needs a man, needs a husband in her life, needs security. She gives her direction about what to do. It is a brave, brave strategy. Naomi is encouraging Ruth to take a major, major physical and spiritual step in life. Let me ask you this. 
Who is it in your life is challenging you in relationship to your walk with God? Who's doing that in your life? Who's giving you counsel? Who's giving you a challenge? Who's giving you direction that makes you spiritually uncomfortable about what they're asking you to do? Who's that person in your life? If you've got someone in your life who is challenging you spiritually to surrender everything, to say, make sure that you're seeking the kingdom of God first in your life. If you've got someone speaking into your life who's saying to you, make sure your yes to the Lord Jesus is always on the table. If you've got someone speaking into your life who says you need to live radical and surrender to Jesus Christ, you are a blessed person in life. If you've got somebody who's speaking that kind of truth into your life, you say, well, I don't have anybody speaking that way into my life. Here's what I would encourage you. Pray and ask God to send a person like that into your walk and your life with him. You and I need people in life who are going to challenge us to find ourselves at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and to say, you sit at his feet and you listen to him. Yes, seek his kingdom first. Make sure your yes is always on the table, but also make sure you live radical, very different from the world, but surrendered to Jesus in your life. It is a brave strategy, but Ruth had Naomi speaking into her life. What about you? That's why relationships matter. If you're dating someone, make sure Christ is at the center of that relationship. In your marriage, make sure Jesus is the priority of your marriage. In your friendships, make sure again that Jesus Christ is front and center in every aspect of your relationship and your decision making. Why? Relationships map the way. Naomi and Ruth, but you and me as well. And when you look at your relationships... Are your relationships drawing you closer to Christ or pulling you away from him? For Naomi and Ruth, Naomi's relationship with Ruth, moving her closer to Boaz, who's going to be her redeemer in life. Number two, decisions influence the journey. All of us are going to make decisions. I mean, we make literally hundreds and hundreds of decisions. But let me ask you this. When you think about your life, are you really enjoying your life? And here's what I mean by that. If you get on an airplane and you fly across the country or around the world, there's sometimes those flights are going to be really smooth. Uh, you're just going to sit back. It's going to be a smooth flight. You can unbuckle your seatbelt. You can get up and move around the cabin. It's going to be pretty easy. But there are other times you're going to find yourself going through turbulence. You're going to have to remain in your seat. You're going to have to stay with your seatbelt on because it would be dangerous to get up and move around because the plane is going to shake. It may go from here to here pretty quick. You need to stay in your seat. Same thing is true about life. There are times when life is extremely smooth, and then there are other times when turbulence comes our way, and it can be really, really shaky in life. But decisions will influence the journey, whether it's smooth or shaky in life. I could give you the names of people, and because of the decisions they've made in life, they are enjoying life on a scale of 1 to 10. If I said at 10, you're enjoying life, they would be at a 7, 8, or 9 in life. They are enjoying life. But I could also give you the names of people because of decisions they made. They would be down at 1, 2, or 3 because they're simply not enjoying life because of the decisions that they've made and they're reaping the consequences of that. Happens to many of us. But what I want you to see, here Ruth is. She's down at the threshing floor. 
She's going to be able to see Boaz, and she's getting ready to make some decisions, and they're going to influence her journey and her relationship with Boaz. Number one, obedient actions. Here, here's, here's the context. You remember, Naomi said to Ruth, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the threshing floor. I want you to find Boaz. I don't want you to say anything to him. Uh, just don't, don't make yourself known to him until he has finished eating and drinking. Now, 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 ladies, you know this. You don't really mess with a man while he's eating and drinking. I mean, that's important to him. You let him finish eating and drinking. Please understand, in no way is this text implying that Boaz is getting intoxicated. That's not what this text is teaching at all. He is just simply having a good time. He's enjoying life. He's been working and he's eating and drinking. He's enjoying life. And then she said, you know, when, he, when you find, go to observe the place where he lies down, then you go in and cover his feet and lie down. Why did she want uh, Ruth to observe? Because again, you just don't uncover the feet of any man. I mean, you're going to uncover the feet of one and his name is Boaz. Make sure you know who, who's lying down and where because you don't want to uncover the feet and realize hey, you're the wrong guy. I'm looking for another guy. No, no, you, you observe him. You know exactly where he's going to put his head down, and you're able to go to him. So she's giving her very clear direction about that. And then you go and cover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. So, Ruth, that's what you're going to do. And here's the context. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Great insight there. All that you say, I'm going to do. Simple obedience, just an obedient action from Ruth in relationship to Naomi. Who's encouraging you again to do what God wants you to do? Obedience. You may not understand. It may not make sense. But this is what God's asking you to do. Who is encouraging you to do that? It's the will of God as we see in this context in Scripture. The will of God is something that we're all desiring to see. Let me give you these words here about the will of God. You want to write down on the side. Because if you're going to know God's will and you're going to do God's will, here, here Ruth is doing the very thing that Naomi asked, which was going to be the direction of God. You make sure you know how to discern the will of God in your life. Let me give you these four. One is God's word. If you want to know the will of God for your life, spend time in Scripture. Look into God's Word because He's going to give you direction. The do's and don'ts of life and even the Christian life. God's Word. Second one's God's Spirit. Again, you don't have to live the Christian life on your own. He's given us the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, who's given us direction, reminding us everything about Christ. You rely on the Holy Spirit in your life when it comes to discovering and doing the will of God for your life. Number three is God's people. Rely on people. Here, Ruth is relying on Naomi. Who are you relying on? Servants of God that you can have conversations with, and they can give you direction about what God is doing in your life. Insights. You need godly people around you. Number four is God's peace. God is a God of peace, not a God of confusion. When God is leading you and you want to be obedient, do you have peace about that? taking that job, moving to that city, buying whatever it may be. Do you have peace or is there concern about it? God is the God of peace. When it's the will of God, you will have peace in the Christian life. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be convenient. Doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with you about it, but you'll have peace from God to say, this is what God wants us to do. And here Ruth is. She's going to show up at the threshing floor. She's going to discover where Boaz is lying down at. And then she's going to go uncover his feet. And she's going to lie at the feet of Boaz. Number two, godly attitude. The text goes on to say that here uh, Ruth is at the feet 
of Boaz. And then she came softly and covered his feet and, and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. Behold, a woman lay at his feet. I would imagine you would be startled at midnight. We don't know what woke him up. Maybe it was just a draft that my feet is cold and something is going to cover his mood. And all of a sudden he, he wakes up and he realizes there is a lady lying at his feet. Interesting conversation is going to happen. And so he said, who are you? I mean, what would you have said? It's midnight. All of a sudden you feel the draft on your feet. Something is not normal. You wake up and there is a lady lying at your feet. And his response, who are you? And here's what she said. And she said, I answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Incredible conversation. Now, when she says here, I am your servant, back in in Ruth chapter 1, we see this idea of servant. It is a different Hebrew word in this context. Before it was, I'm a servant, meaning I want to work in your fields. Will you take care of me, make sure I have grain that I can take some home? But here in Ruth chapter 3, this idea of servant is not just working in a field. It is someone who says, I want to be in a relationship with you. Interesting, Ruth is not going to propose to Boaz, but she is proposing that he would propose to her. I hope I got that sentence right. It was a little bit confusing as I even said it. So, so as you think about that here, Ruth is saying, I am your servant. I want to be in a relationship with you. So you propose to me about marriage. She's a servant. As I think about this idea of godly attitudes, and I think about where we are in life, uh, there are so, so many churches in our, in our nation even right in our own community and own city that are plateaued, declining, and even dying. And I'm looking and you say, well, why are so many churches plateaued? Why are so many churches declining? Why are so many churches dying? And here's, I mean, I could talk about this the rest of the afternoon, but here's a primary reason we're seeing that in so many churches around us. Here's why. There are far too many members of churches who see themselves as consumers and not servants. God didn't save you and me to be consumers. He saved you and me to be servants. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, servant. The Apostle Paul, saved on the road to Damascus, called into ministry, servant, bond slave of Christ Jesus. Listen, we should never be consumers, but we are servants. And Ruth comes to Boaz and said, Boaz, I am your servant. Do you and I come to the Lord Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I am not simply a consumer. I am your servant. If we're going to see, again, God work in our lives, then we need to have the attitude of servants in the Christian life. And then number three, personal affirmations. Then Boaz wakes up, and what does he do? He speaks very kind words to Ruth. And I would encourage you to write these down, because if you're going to have a great marriage, a great relationship great dating relationships. These are three personal affirmations from Boaz to Ruth that you need to apply in any relationship that you have if it's going to be healthy. Number one, he prayed. Uh, what did he say in this context? He just said something about the, may the kindness of God and, and he's just going to bless her. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. What's he doing? He's praying for her. I encourage you, if you're dating someone, make sure you pray together. 
In your marriage relationship, make sure you pray together. In your family life, make sure you pray together. As a church, let's make sure that we pray together. That's why over the next seven days, beginning tomorrow at noon, we're coming before the Lord. Noon to 1245. And what are we doing? We're praying and we're fasting. We're doing this together. You're welcome to join us in this room tomorrow at noon as we begin this week of prayer and fasting. Just seeking the Lord in life and in ministry. And so Boaz, what did he pray for? Number two, he protected. He protected Ruth. Again, he's not going to take advantage of her. He's not going to move in with her. He's not going to sexually be impure with her. He is going to protect her. You need people in your life. You need to be in relationships with people who are going to pray for you, but who will protect you as well. And then number three, he praised her. Because he said, you know, people in town know that you're a worthy woman. He knew how to praise Ruth. Do you have people in your life who are building you up or tearing you down? Do you have people who are critical of you or people who know how to encourage you and to praise you? They're not putting you on a pedestal, but they're praying for you and protecting you and praising you for who you are. That's Boaz's relationship with Ruth. What about you and me? Now here again, we find Ruth sitting at the feet of Boaz. I want to ask you before we move to this final point. When's the last time you found yourself sitting at the feet of Christ, of Jesus? Write this text down, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Uh, We're not going to have time to go there and read it, but it's a story of, uh, of Martha and Mary. Jesus in their house. Martha so distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. What is Mary doing in the house? She is sitting at the feet of Jesus. When's the last time you found yourself sitting at the feet of Christ? And you're saying, Lord, I want you to teach me. I want you to know how much I love you. And Lord, I want you to know that I am open for you to equip me to serve you any way you desire to use me. Sitting at the feet of Christ. Over the next seven days, I pray we'll use this time at noon not to come before God with our agendas, not to come before God with our pieces of paper where God, we want you to do this, this, and this. No, just come before him sitting at his feet and saying, Lord, we just want to listen to you because it's the most beautiful place to be at the feet of Christ. Number three, grace changes the destination. Uh, you know something about relationships. If you ever watched the Hallmark Channel, Great American Family Channel, uh, you know in those movies there's a script that they use. Maybe they used it from the story of Ruth. There's a script because about an hour and 40 minutes into any movie that you're going to see on there, guess what's getting ready to happen? Drama is getting ready to happen. There is an old boyfriend, old girlfriend, somewhere is coming back into town wearing flannel, all that kind of stuff like that. It's always going to happen that way. There's always going to be drama. And so in this context here, Boaz wakes up, he speaks all these words about Ruth, he prays for her, he, he blesses her, he protects her, all these things like that. And then Boaz said, but here's the real deal though, there's someone to redeem you nearer than I. The drama is unfolding in this relationship. Let me give you these real quick. Number one, gracious redemption. Now Boaz is willing to redeem Ruth, but he's saying, but you've got to realize there's another guy in front of me. 
I mean, Ruth didn't want the other guy. She wanted Boaz, but there is another guy, but he's gracious in that. Number two, contagious influence. What what does Boaz do? Saying, Ruth, I don't want you to go home home empty-handed. I want you to bring whatever you're wearing, bring it here. I'm going to load you up with barley. Many people say it was about 75 pounds. Again, she is a tough, tough lady. I'm going to send you home empty-handed. I want you to take this back to Naomi and bless your mother-in-law. And then number three, amazing love, because here's what's going to happen. Ruth ends up and goes home, and here's what happens. How did you fare? And Naomi says to her, how did you fare, my daughter? And what's the question? How did you fare? Here's what that question really means in the original language is, do you have a husband yet? Did you find a guy? Did you find a man? Not just how did you fare, but do you have a husband? Do you have a man? Do you see a wedding? You're all dressed up. You've got somewhere to go. How did you come out? When is this wedding going to happen? And then here's what happened. And then she says this. The man is a closer. He's our redeemer. Goes on through all that. And then ultimately comes and says, uh, then he said, and the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley to give back to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, and here's what Ruth says now, or Naomi says to Ruth, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the, master, the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Ruth, before this day is over, you're going to know if you have a husband or not. It's, it's today. He's working. You be still. The good news of salvation is Jesus gave his life for you and me. We didn't work for it. He died and gave his life for us. We just be still and receive his grace. Boaz is loving Ruth. I want to finish here for a moment. You can write these other words down. God the Father is loving you and me. I want you to write these five words down. How do we know God loves us? What is his love like? Number one, his love is patient. Here Ruth is waiting again on Boaz. She's in a waiting room again. God's love is patient to you and me. Aren't you thankful for the patience of God? How many times have we known the Holy Spirit was leading us to make a decision, give our lives to Christ, follow him in baptism, join the church, surrender to ministry, do something that God's leading us to do, and we just delayed, delayed, and delayed, and procrastinated, and procrastinated. Aren't you grateful for the patience of God in life? He is patient with you and me. Second word, God's love is protective. Aren't you grateful that we have a heavenly father who protects you and me? How many times has he protected us as individuals? How many times has he protected us in marriage? How many times has he protected us as a family? And how many times has he protected us as a church? I mean, we are at risk of experiencing great harm, but God, almighty God, protected you and me. Number three, God's love is provisional. Just as Boaz took care of Ruth, God's going to take care of you and me. He's going to give us what we need, not simply we want. But how many of us this morning could shout hallelujah and amen, praise the Lord. Just look at the way God has provided for you and for me. It's overwhelming that God loves us so much that he would give us so much stuff. So many things in life God is providing for you and for me. Number four, God's love is personal. I hope you walk out of this room. Hope you log off knowing that. Does God love the world? Yes, but he loves you and he loves me. You are created in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Please know that almighty God loves you. 
No matter how many mistakes you've made, how many times you've blown it, how many things you said, if I could do it over, I'd really do it again. Almighty God loves you. And number five, God's love is priceless. And here's what I mean by that. He loves you and me so much that he gave his only begotten son for you and for me. You can't put a price on that. That Jesus, the sinless life, his sacrificial death, his glorious resurrection. God loves you and me so much that he gave his only begotten son. You and I, is priceless. We could never comprehend that. But he done that because he loves you and me. And Jesus Christ went to a cross and he gave everything. He paid it all for you and for me. That's how overwhelming the love of God is. And so today. Here, here Ruth is sitting at the feet, lying at the feet of Boaz. Do you need to get at the feet of Jesus in your life? And here she is waiting to see what's going to happen in this relationship. I'm all dressed up. I've got somewhere to go. I want to go to the chapel. I want to get married. What's God going to do in the midst of that? And then she just experiences the overwhelming love from Boaz to her in life. Are you aware of how much God loves you? And how he wants to change your life? I want us to bow our heads together. And we're going to pray together in this invitation. We're going to talk about Jesus paid it all. And because of that, all to him I owe. And so I want to encourage you in the room or watching online. If you need to give your life to Christ, surrender your life to him. If you need to follow him in believer's baptism, obey him. You need to join the fellowship of our church, obey him today. Uh, You need to surrender to a call of God on your life. Surrender to him today. You need to make a commitment today, this week. You're going to get still and find yourself at the feet of Christ. Obey him today. Or you just need to come before him and just say, Oh, God, thank you for your love that is so amazing in my life. God, I thank you that you love me the way that you do. And you can do that at his feet as well. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. So, Father, we pray today in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. And, Father, I pray today as we stand in just a few moments and sing, and we just testify that Jesus paid it all, that, Father, we will be willing to surrender all of our lives to you as well and follow his example, follow his leadership. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Take this invitation. May the Holy Spirit move. And may we either make public or private decisions that will put us at the feet of Jesus, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.